You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. The Ralbag, uh, as we remember from last week, had a anti-mystical version of the purpose of Drismila. It was not meant to somehow do something magical to the human body. It did something natural, and as we saw from the Rambam, and it stunted a person's uh, forays into the world of sensuality and enjoyment in order for him to redirect himself to the world of the mind. Now, Rabbeinu Yonah, the idea of, of the bris Mila leading to Eretz Yisrael in the Torah means that they will be physically different in their desires, and they're going to make sure all their children are that way. And therefore, the Raubag says, Hine ratza Hashem Yisale she Yischanchu b'zosa mitzvah koda matan Torah. The Rabbag now wants us to think. What's the reason why they should have a mitzvah before the Torah was given? We're going to see the Raubag's opinion is very straightforward about what's a mitzvah and what's not. This was technically not a true mitzvah at the time of Avram Avinu. Yeah, that's that's actually what uh, I, I'm glad you just said. Uh, um, um, uh, directive, but it does. It it wasn't the mitzvah of God. It was. It wasn't part of the taryag mitzvos. It was a, a tachbula. It was a trick that God wanted because God wanted to sort of like stack the deck and allow these people who we knew had great potential to be the type of people who would now be able to sort of like survive. As a, as, as a more elevated group in Israel and also stop them from, assimila- from assimilating. And he's going to explain it here. As you can see, the Raubag says, he says that because the B'nai Eretz Kanan were very involved in sexuality and we know what the the, the physical change in uh, that the uh, that it does to that organ, and therefore to the pleasure site, and therefore it's we are going to be less involved in that. And this way, all the people of Avram are beteva wimped out in that way, less sensual pushed more to the intellectual and this way we won't become his gael won't become sort of like contaminated with what's going on in Canaan and therefore will be the idea that God sort of takes a people that are wild and and um, completely unready for Torah the Raubad doesn't agree with that the Rabbad believes that, that that through generations of of training intellectually and ensuring the physical would not 
be uh, an impediment. Now it makes sense that these are the people that can get the Torah and get the special land called Eretz Yisrael. Um, the Raubag has a similar statement. God is sort of watching out for them. And here's another example in the Raubag's book of how that happens. We know in Parshas Vayeshev that, so Yehuda has three children. There is Er, Onan, and Shelo, three boys. Er was married to Tamar. The Torah writes that Er, who was the Bechor of Yehuda, was Ra. He did something evil. And God killed him. Hmm. Yehuda said to Onan, okay, we have this similar idea of Yibum, even before the Torah. She had no children. So we know that Er and Tamar have no children. But Onan knows that the child will not be totally considered his. It would almost be like a, 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 a second chance for heir. So, and he figures, you know, I'm just a surrogate father. So this is where we get the idea of onanism um, connected to not uh, consummating a sexual act. Now, the Torah then says, God was very upset about that. And he killed also him. So God killed both of Yehuda's children. Now, the second one seems to die. On one hand, you could say he's selfish. But there's another way of looking at it, which is that he is very worried about continued sexual pleasure. That's one way Rashi explains that because he wants uh, Tamar not to be pregnant. And because of whatever reason, it turns out that he's involved with sex with her, but not in a way that a child is uh, could happen. So in a way it's called it's not masturbation exactly. But it's basically what it is, is it is that enjoying Tamar, but not allowing himself to impregnate her. And God either, it was evil, that act. Now, the Raubag says that we learn something from there, that when we do something that is really ugly and wrong and considered a, a rebellion against God, a person could die, even though normally that shouldn't be his time to die. God will somehow push the wheels of death towards someone because of actions that are considered beneath that person, what the way the person should have been. They're beneath and they're considered rebellious. So the Raubag says, I explain it in my book on philosophy, but we see this here from Er and One. Now, it's possible, the, the Raubag was of the opinion that Hashkocha is commensurate to your level of righteousness. 
righteous families, the brick didn't fall and hit the anvil didn't come down. The bus stopped before it got out of control. That was all part of the hashkoch of God to tzaddikim. So normally there is hashkoch, but here it seems that Er and Onan lost the hashkoch of God, and therefore they it, it, they they became prey to the diseases that took everybody else. And that could be the idea here that Er died. In other words, Er was Er didn't deserve the hashkoch of God anymore. Vayera, again, what does it say about him? That that air was Ra, Ve'enei Hashem. So because of that, death occurred, not because God sends a lightning bolt against him, but it's possible, the Ralbag says, is that, you know, the same way most, many people die because of the, the, the what, what seems to be random disease and random accidents. And that's what happened possibly to air as well. And the reason that happened is because he no longer deserved the protection that people who have Ashkocha have. Okay. Then the Raubag says something which is a throwback to what he says by Brismila. Oh, It could be that God actually does send a lightning bolt. It isn't just a, the brick that, that, that came out. Death that was clearly zeroing in on that person. Why? Basically, Er and Onan, especially when it comes to Onan, the, it, it, it was news that all the other brothers and family knew that this was a, an act of a a bad sexual act. And because of that, God sort of has to kill him in order that the rest of the family should be scared and not start acting like everybody else in Canaan. In other words, what, what Onan does is very much in line with the rest of the Eretz Canaan. Eretz Canaan is full of zima, which means, yes, sex without children, sex without procreation, keep the women as beautiful as possible, sexual playthings. So therefore, Onan Onan dies, not because, oh, you see that if you you spill your seed, you deserve death. You know, in other words, you spilled seed, which is the possibility of life, so God kills you, and masturbation is like killing souls, and you are a, a, a killer. No. The Rabag says the reason why he died is to give a lesson to the rest of Yaakov, the big Yaakov family, that they should not become similar to the, the Canaanites. The Tif said a Kavana, because if they do, then the whole Kavana that God had in mind of commanding Avram to get a bris which really didn't have to happen. Mitzvahs happened with Moshe Rabbeinu. Mitzvahs don't happen with Avram. But the whole reason why God gave the command to Avram is in order that Kedesha Yisyasher Zaro, in order for his children to be straight, to be different than the rest. Shalom Yisgol Barayus Ka'an Sheharetzahi. 
And therefore, God sort of like, once again, is, as I said before, protecting his investment. He gives them the brismila, and then when he sees these two guys, despite the fact that they had a brismila, somehow being schlepped into the Canaanite uh, mindset of pleasure, and and so he kills them, he kills possibly both of them in order to scare and keep the rest of the children in line. So basically, that's what we're saying. Air was already Ra. He was already involved in, you know, in, in the type of uh, sexual no-goodnik actions that the rest of Canaan was. And that's the reason why God kills him, even though the rest of the Canaanites weren't dying. But these two that are part technically of the, 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 the chosen people, they need to die. And he says, it sounds like, and this, of course, is based on Chazal, they basically did the same thing. Because it says, Gam Oso. So whether it was, right, whatever, it's very similar. The, his, the, the older brother died for the same reason the younger brother we know died. And that shows that the heir was also, however he was uh, fooling around with Tamar, he didn't want to just do it, to do procreation in order to have children. Either he wanted to keep her beautiful or for some other weird reason. So therefore, what I'm showing a parallel here that the Raubag is saying, we had to give them Brismila to keep them, in a, to make them different. And when we saw that we had a couple of outliers like Er and Onan, we got rid of that. God got rid of them too in order that we should be scared and not want to be any way similar to the type of activity that was going on by the, uh, in the Canaanites. I, I, Rabbi Kivalevich, I... God's way of looking at things, Jews and non-Jews are not dissimilar. It's just that we, we had the brismila, so therefore we don't have the, the type of pleasure that they do. And they, because they didn't have the brismila, got used to it and it became part of their mentality. I know if it's in their DNA as much as it is in their uh, attitude towards life in general. And therefore, I think you could be correct that Shayla might not have been your Yiddish Abuba, your, your wonderful Yiddish housewife that was watching the kids the way she should and being so careful with them. And she didn't mind that, that, that her children were picking up stuff from the street, so to speak. But I think the Raul Boggs uh, is, is radical in terms of his, his, in other words, it isn't as, it's not that, the, that, that Onanism deserves death, which is what the Sifre Kabbalah do with this, right? That they say that this is like murder, right? But rather, again, it's God making sure that what he put into effect with the with the brismila, which was unusual for him to sort of, as you're going to see in a minute, it was unusual to, to put a mitzvah. See, the Raubag doesn't believe that mitzvahs make sense for the Ovos, unlike the Ramban and others who, who see the Torah as sort of a developmental thing that started with Adamarisho and, and then morphed. The Raubag's sense of Torah is, is, is it has to be from, from Moshe and Arsini. That's what Torah is. So the idea that Mila becomes significant is only as a, a cause in order to ensure something else. And 
the, the Rabag actually says this. We read it last week. I want to read it to you again. He says, why was it that the Torah in Parshas Sazria talks about Brismila again? It needs to be written in Parsha Sazria. Because you might think that the Torah wasn't given completely until Moshe, meaning that that there was part of the Torah beforehand, and 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 then Moshe sort of finished it off. No. The Torah is totally for emotions. And that's why the fact that it's mentioned in Parshas Lech isn't good enough. Lech was a, 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 it was it was true, Avram got that command, but don't you dare think that that's the reason why we keep the mitzvah. Now, this model about mitzvahs being not really mitzvos until Matan Torah is really something that the Raubag spoke about in the very beginning of his commentary on Chumash. There's another mitzvah that happens very early in the Torah, not, and you know what I'm going to say in a minute, the mitzvah of Pruravu. It's in the very first parak of the Torah. The Torah, the very parak Aleph of 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 Bereshis, we know that God um, says Peru Revu twice. First, he says Peru Revu, he gives a bracha to the fish and the and the fowl. The fish and the fowl. The, right? What does he tell them? Peru Revu Milu Esamayim. Bayamim Vihaof Yirev Baaretz. That's voracious olive chafbeis. Fill the earth. Fill the earth with and, and, and the oceans. Fly. Okay. Then the Pasuk, a number of Psukim later, that's day five. On day six, God creates all the animals that walk on the ground, and along with, of course, human human beings. And Pasuk Chavches, right after God creates man, the very next Pasuk after the creation of man is God blesses them, meaning male and female, and he talks to them. For the, for the fish and the fowl, it just says, God blesses them, saying, when it comes to pruravu to humans, there is a bracha vayivarachosam. There's a certain bracha, but what's but vayomer lahem? God talks to them, and He says pruravu umilu esaretz. That's pretty much the same. The fish and fowl fill the sea and the air, but along with pruravu is the other command. Vikivshua is to actually conquer that earth, Uridu, and also be a controller, even though we aren't in that natural element. Bidagasayam, 
we are the ultimate fishermen, right? We're like the Norsemen or the whalers in, in, in Boston or, in, or, or, or from, from Russia, right? We, we control the fish of the sea. So that is, that is like added to a layer to Peru or Avu. Now, the Raubag, the Raubag's psicha to uh, the fifth day, he says, We know that the way fish and birds were created, there seems to be something weak and missing about them compared to the other animals. So what God did in Pasuchov Beis was give them a bracha, was give them some extra security that they would that they that they would be able to uh, to thrive. They need more in the because of the dangers and of the fragility of how the the the, the offspring come out. They need a special bracha of success. In order for it to be a success that they do exist and they do thrive, the minam, and this type of fish and fowl will continue to live, which is different than the animals that are on land. What's the difference? Because the, all the ones that are on land, he didn't know about the marsupials as much. Kihu or the duck-billed platypus, kihu osa balchayim begufo, because unlike fish and fowl that have eggs, most mammals that the rabag was familiar with actually create a complete and total being that that comes out of the womb of the female whole, not like an egg. So, therefore, the birds and the, and the the birds and the fish that lay eggs, they need an extra push from God. They need an extra bracha. So God sort of gives them a, 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 a an advantage in order, and I guess that's why there's so many birds and so many fish, because in terms of the type of uh, biological being that they produce, it's weak. So God overlays it with some lay, with some birthing power. And that's why they have it, because they, these are just little eggs, many, many eggs, maybe even millions of eggs that some of these fish have, but they need the special bracha of survival. But the regular animals, the mammals don't need a bracha from God. A bracha is when you need something special to sort of uh, to help you out when you have a handicap. So therefore, the pusik that refers to mankind, it can't be a, just a bracha. Man doesn't need a bracha, the Rahobag says, because he produces a very sturdy 
an inherent sturdy offspring. He doesn't need a bracha of pruravu. The the essential physical nature of man is that, and, and horses and other mammals, is that they produce beings that are big and strong and are completely whole. They don't need to have incubation and anything else for them to go to the next level. So they don't need a baruch of pru or revu. And he says, that's why Chazal say in the Gemara and Yavamos, that this Pasik is a mitzvah's assay. That the Pasik, Vayomer, Vahim, not just because of the extra word Vayomer, but because it was unnecessary for them to get a bracha. Fish needed the bracha. Birds needed the bracha. Birds are, are be'etzem less of a sophisticated creature than mammals. And the proof is in how they reproduce, and the fact that they have these eggs, fish and, and, and birds are a lesser type of being. Therefore, God still loves them, and God took care of them and gave them the brach of pruravu. Whereas man and the other animals are the higher type of living being. So if God says to them pruravu, it must be a mitzvah. It must be a command given by the creator to human beings to follow his command. And there's another reason how we can prove that Peru or Revu is a mitzvah. It isn't just a, a statement that this is your nature, is to want to have a biological imperative to reproduce. Why? Because he's going to talk about what makes things mitzvahs. This action that we're talking about, copulation, we know men have a choice to it. Now, animals, not. But humans are not forced. They have choices. He might have fantasies that lead him to it. He might have desires, but he can stop that desire. He isn't, he's not like the wolf man that he's overcome. He's not like, oh, I must feed tonight. I must, I must find my mate. No. We know that it's possible human beings from the beginning of creation can yeah, I don't need to create, I don't need to have a child. In fact, you could say, I want to maybe have sex, but I don't need to have children because men already figured out, unlike animals that don't have this sort of idea of, oh, I don't want her to get pregnant. Men have always had this idea of onanism. They've always had this idea that they can, yeah, okay, have my enjoyment in that orifice the way I want it, but then I could spill my seed, like we know about Onan. But other animals don't, other animals are taken by instinct. We don't find this by other animals. So therefore, if God talks to you and wants you to do something, 
Hachrot Adonai Yisaleh, Echud Mishnei Chelkei HaEfsher. When God decides on one possibility of what it could be, Asher Tipo Mehem Behem HaBechira, you could choose either way about it. So the one that you have chosen is a mitzvah. Where you had choice, and you could have done it either way, and God wanted you to take a certain choice, that's what makes something a mitzvah, not teva. And that's how they knew this statement must be a mitzvah. Now, if it's a mitzvah, what's it doing here? So he says, the reason why it's mentioned in the beginning of the Torah, the mitzvah pruravu, because it goes midargas hashlama meabrianushis. We know that the beginning of the Torah wants to show you that man is the highest level of creation. And obviously, by continuing to procreate and having children, that is the way human species, which is the highest part of creation, will rule the world, will rule the earth. Now, man is mentioned with all other creatures to show you where he exists on that ladder. So we know that God also described how he gave a bracha for the fish and the fowl in order for them to continue to live. So it seemed not unreasonable to mention this mitzvah together with the creation of man. It sort of fits in logically. Now, this is different than what happened with with Avram. With Avram, there was a command to do it, but that was only a practical uh, a practical suggestion demand in order to sort of change us away from the Kananim and to make sure we would be the type of intellectually um, uh, moved people towards getting the Torah and not being so sensual because we kept on doing this to our males. But Pru Revu is different. And that's why the Ralbag says, the Roy Mitzvah was given at Har Sinai. This mitzvah was not given to Adam. Where the Pasuk says, Vayomer Pru Revu, it's out of order. It's not that it was given to Adam at all. Adam did not hear the words Pru Revu from God. Abraham, Abraham did hear the mitzvah of Mila, but Adam did not hear that. It has to be, he says. He, because unlike the mitzvah of Mila, the mitzvah of Pru Revu is not repeated later. We can search the other books of the Torah and we don't find the mitzvah of Pru Revu. And the Rabbach says, you can't say that the reason why we fulfill this mitzvah is because of what was said to Adam. Because Torah lo nitna pamim pamim. The Torah is not given in, in spurts. It's not like, oh, we have Torah from Adam and a little bit of Torah from Avram, and then it all gets put together to Moshe. No, no, that's not what Torah is. And he says, it's, you can see the Chazal say that in Gidan Osha when they speak about where the Pasuk of Al-Kain lo yochul b'nei Yisrael say Gidan Osha. That wasn't said at the time of Yaakov and Esau. 
it was said at the time of Matan Torah, and God wanted it inserted in the story for us to understand. But it's not that Yaakov was given any mitzvah, and the, the Jewish people were not given any, the, the family of Jacob was not given that mitzvah of Gidanosh at the time of the struggle with Esau. He says, Why is it there can't be a mitzvah of the Torah earlier? He says, The Torah is Torah's Moshe. It's always Torah's Moshe. Torah Tzivavano Moshe. Zichra Torah's Moshe Avdi. So it can't be Torah's Moshe plus Torah's, and Torah's Moshe is Torah's Avram and Torah's Adam, Arishon. And especially also that we know, like the Rambam says, and the Rabbag believes as well, that we know from the Torah that Moshe's level of Navua is completely beyond any of the other prophets. And it makes sense that therefore Torah, which is absolute truth, should be given to the Navi, whose level of prophecy is on that highest level. So therefore, the whole Torah, every part of it has to be given only through this vehicle. So, in fact, even the mitzvah of Mila, that I know Avram was commanded, the Torah repeated again. The Torah didn't want us to think. The Torah needed to repeat the mitzvah and say in Parshas And he says that again is the way the Torah needs to be. Because the Torah is one nimos. This again is based on the Greek word of nomos. The Torah is one basic idea. It's very variegated. It's got 613 mitzvahs. It's got a lot of things about it. But it's basically one idea from one God, and it's got one basic aspect which is covers all the mitzvahs, which is Hatzlocha Hanushis. It's God's gift to humanity. Since we're talking about one one purpose from one unified God, so therefore the way it reaches us is through from one, the vehicle that we get it from should only be one. It shouldn't be from multiple sources. We know if we have, for example, prophecy, uh, even let's talk about uh, a prophecy about an event that's going to occur. So, Nevuah Ha'achas would always come to just one Navi, generally. Now, sometimes you would have two Nevi'im. So, what would happen? So, two of them would get it. For example, we would sometimes find that Yeshaya and Yermia got the same essential message with a little bit, each one had a little different version of how the, the idea and the language came to them. But we know that we know that when it comes to Nevuah, which could sometimes split between two people. And sometimes what happens with Navua, not Torah, but Navua is sometimes the person getting it doesn't know what it means. 
like what happened to Daniel. Navua is different. Navua can sometimes be scattershot, and you can sometimes be doubled with two, but can also be not clear what it meant. Even when it comes to Navua, though, you're going to get most of the prophecy. You're not going to get a piece of someone else's Navua. So even Navua, which is much less than Torah, and it has its problems, you don't get, oh, well, here's your Navua, but in order for your Navua to work, you've got to go back and read, or it's based on the Navua of the guy a couple hundred years before you. That's not the way it works. Torah has got to be at least as good as Navua. It's, it's much more than regular Navua. So basically, all the Torah has to be given only through the vehicle of Moshe. And if some of it seems to be given to someone else, like Mila, there needs to be a repetition of that command given totally to Moshe. And think about it. What was it that the Jews came to believe in? They believed in Moshe. That's it. Navuas Moshe. And they accepted what was coming from God to Moshe. Not stuff that came earlier. If the Torah is really based a little bit on previous mitzvos, he says, first of all, the Jews never believed in those other prophets. The, the three million people at Harsin, I believed in Moshe, not in Avram. He says, We at Harsinai, who became believers, believed in this man. Not in something that was hundreds of years earlier. We never accepted that. They accepted Nevuas Moshe, not anything earlier. Now, if you want to say, Shekvar Higia Lemoshe bin Nevua, Moshe himself got a special prophecy. <laughs> in other words, Moshe got a repeat of Avram's prophecy. That, in other words, Moshe's prophecy about, the, about, about, about Brismila that Moshe got it, So basically, Moshe got a 100% exactly what God did to Avram. So Moshe was sort of given a, a trip back into time and a sense of the accuracy completely of the prophecy that was given to Avram Avinu. And therefore, so that's the reason why we believed in Moshe, who believed in what, and, and, and was able to tell them, because he sort of relived what Avram went through. He says, It's just so convoluted, the Raubag says. It's, it's so strange. Why couldn't it just be, whatever happened in the past, whatever it was, was, but Moshe, who is the vehicle for Torah, gets the Nevuah. He says, He needs to somehow like go back in the past and zero in to the prophetic words that were happening to someone else. And you also have to say that, that he had a Nevuah about what Avram's Nevuah was. 
He says, Zemimar It just seems so, so, so convoluted, so unnecessary. So therefore, you need to say this, that, all the Torah was given to Moshe. If you, I, I, I don't deny the fact that it was Avram who was hearing it. That does not make it Torah. The fact that it's written in Parshas Lech Lecho with all the commands, that did not make it Torah. It could not be Torah. Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, wait, 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 second. <laughs> it was given for another purpose, which was what? To make a bris between God and Avram, which is not Torah. And it was done for a reason, that, that, that there's an idea of a bris. Um, now, so, if you start believing in what the Rambam seems to say and others, that the Torah, is, of course, what Moshe got was most everything, but it was also built on principles, Rebut Alevi also seems to say this, of parts that were already there. So if you say that's the way Torah works, so it turns out not that it's all through God, one God to one Moshe. So what happens now is logically that Peru or Ravu was said at Sinai. Look what he says. <laughs> It wasn't that Adam was given this mitzvah and go out, be fruitful and multiply and fill the planet. No. If it, it's a mitzvah, mitzvahs only make sense in the Raubag's way of looking things to Klal Yisrael, not to the rest of the world. It had to happen at Sinai. And by the time Pruvu was said, the world was full of people. It was only like continue, continue filling the world. But it wasn't that Adam and Eve got that mitzvah at all. As much as the Psukim does say by Yomer Lehem, the Raubag's very logical, but very um, rigid version of what a mitzvah is forces him uh, to say this. Somewhere in the Torah it said, it said Pru or Avu. Somewhere in Parsha Sazria it said, and then it would say after that, and then she'd have a baby, and the Rabag would be happy. Because then he could say, I found the mitzvah. Oh, there's the mitzvah of having a child. And then he could say, oh, this was a special command that Adam needed, so Adam shouldn't use his free will to decide not to have children. But that didn't happen. <laughs> there is no mitzvah in the Torah where it says, and you shall be fruitful, multiply, other than what it says in Sefer Beratius. <laughs> so therefore, the Raubag has to sort of do this, this dance. He has to, on one hand, tell you that it can't just be a biological uh, imperative that God made sure happened. And then he gets into this whole essay, and that's why I thought it was unique about what a mitzvah is. And in that way, I think, you know, we, we, last year we spent a lot of time talking about mitzvos that the Ovos did and et cetera. Uh, there, again, according to the Raubag, 
it, it's completely inessential to us what type of mitzvos the Ovos might have done uh, or not. I mean, the, the, the Rambam felt it was a fairy tale. I think the Raubag uh, takes it, takes umbrance to it because it's sort of like, it, 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 it causes us to occlude the beauty of what the Torah is. If we start saying that the Torah was being fulfilled or mitzvahs were being fulfilled, the same mitzvahs in the Torah were being fulfilled by those previous generations, we, in a way, take away from the glory of, of that one Torah, of what, what that one Torah has to be. And, and, and therefore... Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.